0: With jazz shapers, with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM, listening colour. In partnership with Mish it's business, but it's personal.
1: Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers, I'm Elliot Moss here on Jazz FM, thank you very much for joining. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul in addition to that though you also get to hear from the people who are shaping the world of business we call them business shapers and that's the very point of the programme and my business shaper today I'm very pleased to say is Michelle Kennedy, she's the co-founder and CEO of Peanut and Peanut is a social network designed for women who happen to be mums, you'll be hearing all about what she's been doing in the last two or so years hello hello nice to have you here
0: thanks for having me
1: tell me how you ended up setting up your own business what's going on because you're a lawyer by trade aren't you
0: i was i suppose i still am although i haven't renewed my practicing certificate for a while so possibly i'm not anymore put it on the to-do list yeah just along with the other things I've got to do. The
1: other 3,000. So, <laughs> so, so, not that many. What is Peanut and, and how seriously did you move from being a lawyer? Mm. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but into this new wide, wonderful world of running your own business.
0: Yeah, I think that um, starting Peanut was genuinely a labor of love. I had been, started life as a lawyer, as you said. And then I had moved into working um, in house for a very big European dating platform called Badoo. And probably just because I'm very nosy and I ask lots of questions, I started to ask questions about the business. Why do you do that? What does that mean? And this was at a time when, you know, tech wasn't what it is in terms of being cool or glamorous. Um, This was genuinely 20 guys sitting in an office in Soho, eating hula hoops and drinking Red Bull. And um, it was a very, very different world. I'd never seen it before. Um, And it was exciting. There was this very, very small office of people who were building this business that was making you know so much money and more than that there were at the time that i joined 70 million users and i couldn't get my head around it i couldn't even think about the number and now i think there are 350 million users so you know that just shows the growth but it was a web-based dating platform um it was at a time when people were talking about dating with a slightly scathing oh dating you know, and you might see people who are on breakfast TV and they'd met online and there'd be like this very big drama around it. Um, and my friends would be like, oh, Michelle works in dating now, you know, and it would always be through gritted teeth. And then a couple of years on and you see the migration from web to mobile and you see kind of these beautiful native products being built Um And people would be like, Michelle works in dating too. And it became really cool. And um, so I suppose just because I was there for so long, asking questions, being nosy, being curious, I started to acquire lots of different functions in the business and eventually worked alongside the founder um, and kind of became his right hand. And I suppose it was through that experience And just really seeing the exciting development and growth, but also having a desire to do it in an area where I felt there was another need. Um, I suppose that was the kind of backbone and the the kind of root to it. Um, It got to a point where um, I wasn't dating, obviously, in my personal life. Um, And I'd had my little boy and I had an expectation of using products like the products I was building. And the products just weren't there. They were very different. They were web-based, maybe felt a little bit more old school, um, and there was nothing really that was just fit for purpose and really spoke to mothers. And in my mind, all I could think about was this entire generation of women who were kind of growing up mobile first, having an expectation of a certain type of product, and it didn't exist. Um, So I decided I'd do it.
1: Stay with me for much more to find out why Michelle Kennedy, or rather how Michelle Kennedy took that idea of well, where's my product and um, I may as well just go and make it because no one else had Time for some music right now before we go back to Michelle, it's Jamie Cullen with What A Difference That was Jamie Cullen with a difference michelle kennedy is my business shape today co-founder and ceo at peanut and we were talking earlier michelle about how it got to the point where you decided to create this product for um people like you for other young women who happen to be mums let me just go back a little bit though lawyers are very well trained in the same way accountants are and any other professionals um, which is a great thing on the one side because there's rigour and there's structure and is difficult on the other side because that that rigour and structure often curtails creativity and innovation. Um, I'm giving you the cliche, of course, because it's not always true, and also curtails risk-taking. And obviously, setting up your own business is a a risky thing. Do you think, though, the good side of what being a lawyer gave you, those many, many years, both in private practice and then into, uh, as you said, going in-house into a company, do you think you could have done what you did a few years ago without it? Do you actually think it has given you a really solid foundation?
0: It's a really good question. I think that being a lawyer, training as a lawyer, and then, and then working in private practice gives you a discipline like no other. You work really hard, and you have no qualms about working through the night because it's just what you do. You're working on deals, and so it doesn't even factor into your um, thinking about this kind of mythical balance that we all talk about. You're just doing your job. Um, so it gives you good discipline in that way Um, and I suppose the other thing and you touched on it is risk you know and as a lawyer you're trained to find risk and avoid it and as an entrepreneur you kind of see the risk and do it anyway Um, or
1: you even embrace the risk
0: right and I suppose that actually would I be doing what I'm doing without being a lawyer definitely not I wouldn't have gone to work at Badoo I wouldn't have kind of been asking all of the questions about the business Because being the lawyer gave me the license to go and ask all of the questions and be nosy. And people felt like they had to tell me um, because of what I was doing. And, um, you know, there was a time when people used to say to me that general counsel, if you were a GC, you wouldn't become a CEO because the skill set was too different. And it used to really bother me because that was obviously at the time that was my dream. I really wanted to be a CEO. So I wasn't going to let the fact that I was being a lawyer and I was a GC, gonna, that wasn't going to prevent me.
1: And let me ask you a question about that. So, so not, not many lawyers that I know, and I know a fair few lawyers, um, <laughs> yeah. want to be CEOs of companies. They're very happy being lawyers, very happy being experts. Where's that ambition from? It strikes me that you're an, a very ambitious person. You want to run your own show. You are now running your own show. You want to break the boundaries. You want to stand up for a group of people that weren't getting what they needed, that relevant sense of a product that could do something for them. Why you? Why are you so ambitious? If it is ambition.
0: Yeah, I don't know, actually. I think my mum is probably, she always made me quite ambitious. My mum is a strong Irish woman from a very big family who um, kind of pushed me to to do all the things that she felt she couldn't do um, for many, many reasons. So I suppose that kind of gave me drive and ambition. And I just don't like being told that I can't do something. It bothers me. (laughs) So if someone says that I can't do it, then I'm just going to try and find a way to do it. Um, So... Particularly, well, GC, General Counsel, don't really become CEOs. Yeah. Well, Red rag to a bull. This one will. <laughs> um, or, you know, even when I was kind of later stage and I was fundraising and it's, you know, I don't know whether mums really want this. Yeah, they do. And I'm going to show you. Um, so I kind of I suppose that just drives me to, to make it happen. Um, but, yeah, definitely being a lawyer got me into an industry that I hadn't even considered. It gave me the opportunity to learn things that I didn't uh, think that I would have done. And then working alongside the founder of Badoo, I suppose, he taught me to think about things in a different way. So I still use all of my legal training to see the risk. But I think about things. I'd never really met anyone who thought like him. I still really haven't, actually. He's quite unusual in his thought process. And I suppose that just pushed me to think about things in a different way.
1: Stay with me for more from my business shaper today. That's Michelle Kennedy. Don't tell her you can't do it because you might get a fright. Uh, Much more coming from her. But before that, we've got some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business.
2: My name is Andrew Remington, and I'm a corporate partner at Mishkondorea. Uh, Very often, uh, the key uh, component that makes deals uh, last the test of time is when you start a transaction with trust and credibility on both sides. Very often people will um, be very reluctant to disclose the key issues that are relevant for them but I find that actually having a very forthright discussion at the outset of a meeting can help set the ground rules very early on. Let me give you an example if a transaction has both strengths and weaknesses and let's face it what doesn't, which should you deliver first, the strengths or the weaknesses? Surprisingly, the answer to that is that if you have weaknesses to disclose, uh, the body of evidence suggests that actually by uh, empathising with the other person's position and identifying that there are concerns that they may well have as a legitimate third party, by addressing those issues first, shows not only trustworthiness and credibility uh, in negotiations, but also shows that, that you have empathy towards their position.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
1: You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday. I'm here on Jazz FM. I get to meet somebody shaping a lot of business who's doing something extraordinary, breaking boundaries, being unconventional. Uh, if you have missed any and you'd like to hear more, then go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers. Uh, anytime you want as well. If you've got one and they're not laughing at you, you can just ask Alexa. Uh, and all other information is on jazzfm.com a whole array of places where you cannot miss Jazz Shapers and you shouldn't be missing today's Jazz Shapers because Michelle Kennedy is with me and she's the co-founder and CEO at Peanut and Peanut as I said earlier is a social network created for women who happen to be mums. Now we get to the moment where I now understand a little bit about why you have this drive and it sounds like it's come from your mum uh, amongst others probably but a significant influence I understand that you're with this extraordinary CEO who thought differently and I understand that the legal part has now, you know, given you a great foundation. So we put those three together, put it in the mixer, and out comes Peanut. Tell me about those first few formative months of creating your dream, as it were.
0: Absolutely terrifying. It's like that dream where you're going to school and you're naked, and you don't know, and then everyone knows, and it's it's just the most excruciating time. I I didn't sleep, I didn't eat. Um, I cared. I still care, but I, it was such a personal. Um, mission for me I really wanted to to make something impactful um, so that was the first part um, and the second part of it was you know I'd just been in a, running a huge company their safety in numbers whatever your decision is it might have an impact on the bottom line but so what you'll change it the next month but this was really small I mean this this really mattered um, so that was hard um, but I you know I cared I started. And
1: did it matter? Did it make any difference? I mean, obviously you had to go and raise some money, Mm -hmm. I imagine, quite early on. What was it like um, being a woman in that situation? Because we read all the time about how difficult it is as a woman to raise money. You're more likely to get money, raise money from venture capital um, bods if you're a man. There are now female-only funds, which is fantastic, because if women Mm -hmm. haven't got access to capital, then how else are you going to do it? What was your personal experience of that?
0: It was hard, you know, I, I suppose part of it was naivety actually. I, I hadn't raised venture before. I hadn't been through that process, you know. I was at a company where we had PE P house involvement, but it a was private very small. Equity. Yeah. yeah. And it was very small. Um and that was it. That was really my exposure. I didn't know more about fundraising than I'd kind of read and listened to a few podcasts about, you know, I was I was kind of really about being in the business rather than building one from scratch. Um and so I, that made me a little bit fearless, I suppose. So it meant that because I didn't really know um, where some of the pitfalls were, I spoke to lots of different people. And every time I spoke to someone, I got better at it because I learned what they were going to ask me. I anticipated the questions. I knew my data. I knew my size of market. I knew my opportunity inside out so that before anyone could even say, you know, what about this... Um, I already had the answer. I'd already, you know, cut it off at the pass. The downside um, was some of the questions or comments that came up, I just didn't expect. You know, you don't expect to go into a business meeting and someone to say to you, don't you want to do something sexier than mums? You know, that's weird. Being honest, I was raising pre-product. I had no product to show, so it was me and a deck. Um, and that was, yes, I had experience, and my my partner had experience, but... You know, that made, probably made it more challenging, and I just kept going. When I did a, a formal seed raise, which was in November, this time I was absolutely um, diligent about who I spoke to, why I chose them, so whether they had invested in consumer before or in female-backed businesses or in female products. Um, I was really, really deliberate about it, and the whole process was extremely quick and pain-free, And it was better because I had data. So I already had a product and I had data that was unarguable. You know, women were using our product and they wanted it. And it was growing really fast. So it was obviously a much easier sell. But this time I purposefully also spoke to women investors. I didn't have female investors in my first kind of pre-seed round. And this time I went to a female fund. Um, who back female led businesses and that was important. And um, I spoke to female partners at, at VC funds and they're not the only people who are, you know, invested. We have some other amazing investors too who are, are who are men. But um, I was much more deliberate. And so I suppose as a result of that, my advice to anyone whenever they ask me is do your research and be very very deliberate about who you speak to. Because I went through a lot of frogs.
1: Make sure you avoid the frogs if you're thinking about fundraising. There's some really good advice, mainly just keep on going. Much more coming up from Michelle Kennedy, my business shaper, but time right now for some more music. This is Hey Laura from Gregory Porter. Hey Laura, it's me. That was Gregory Porter with the fabulous Hey Laura. Michelle Kennedy is my business shaper today. We've been talking about all sorts of things, including fundraising, because it isn't easy. Very quickly after you create your business, uh, Michelle, beyond your co-founder, you've got to create a team. I often talk to people about team. How did you go about getting the right people? Have you made mistakes? What are the two or three key things that you've learnt about assembling the gang that can really help propel this business?
0: Well, the first thing I was always taught is hire people who are smarter than you. So People always
1: say that, but I never believe they really want to do it. Is it true?
0: 100%. Everyone in my team is much smarter than me, um, and I'm eternally grateful for it. I couldn't do what they do. My head of iOS uh, and mobile, Simona, is a mum of two. And on the side, whilst building Peanut, she was doing her PhD in machine learning, casual. Um, She is a brilliant, brilliant woman. And we understand each other because we understand the need for Peanut, but we also understand the need that, yeah, she has to go and pick up her girls and put them to bed. But we'll both be online again later on in the evening. And um, I think that's amazing. Um my, one of, uh, Hannah in my team, she came with me. Uh, so she used to work with me at, at Badoo and Bumble and then came with me. And I think that was, you know, she has always been this kind of brilliant spark. She's creative and she's young and she thinks about things in a very different way to me and we're probably a very good yin and yang.
1: And do you practice what you preach in terms of the way that you uh, it sounds like you have a pretty flexible approach I and mean, if you're going to pick up your, your son or if you're going to go and see him do something and they're going to do the same, is it, is it genuinely like that and is that part of the part of the deal?
0: Yeah, I think we have to be um, because there are no awards anymore for having your coat on the back of your office chair like it was when I was kind of a young lawyer. Uh, no one cares. The work gets done because we want the work to get done because we love it and everyone on the team is genuinely passionate about what we do.
1: Are they all women or you've got some no, men as well? No,
0: we're, we're actually a fairly good split. So my business partner is um, a man, Greg, um, and he's our CTO. Uh, he's That's actually,
1: Chief Technology Officer.
0: Correct. He's actually based in Chicago, um, so it just kind of gives us more hours in the day. We're kind of, you know, when he's coming online, it's halfway through our day. and So
1: utilitarian. It's wonderful. How efficient. Uh,
0: very efficient. We, I think you should
1: plant people in New Zealand as well.
0: That's the next step. Good. Yeah, That's sure. important. Um, so I think that because of that, flexibility just becomes inherent because Greg's coming online at, you know, 2pm, say. Um, and he'll still be working when Simo and I have put her, our kids to bed and that kind of thing. So we we kind of get more hours in the day. It just means that we, we work really efficiently and we work smart and there's no awards for kind of being in the office.
1: What would they say about you, Michelle? How would they describe you, do you think?
0: Oh, crazy probably.
1: But seriously, I mean, uh, beyond crazy, beyond, um, beyond motivated, what's the thing that they would say typifies or characterises Michelle Kennedy?
0: I hope they would say passionate because I do genuinely care about what we're doing. I genuinely care about the women who use peanut. I genuinely care about the fact that the team work tirelessly to build this product. Um, So I hope that they would say passionate and I I hope that they would say um, empathetic. You know, it's not, Life isn't always perfect and, you know, sometimes your kid gets sick and we've got a product release the next day. You know, that's just what happens. Um, And we all work around it and we work to support each other. And I suppose that's the beauty of what we're doing um, is that we can make sure that we look after each other in that way and still have a best-in-class, world-class product.
1: Michelle Kennedy is my business shaper today. For a few more minutes, co-founder and CEO at Peanut. I didn't ask you a question. uh, Why Peanut? Why is it called Peanut?
0: Ah, when I was pregnant, I used to call my little bump Peanut. Everyone in my office refers to Finn as Peanut. He will always be the Peanut. So really, it's all for him. So I better make it work.
1: You better make it work, indeed. Um, We haven't talked about the money bit. And obviously, the business is young, and you raised money. And you've got three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand 350,000 users now around the world, or mainly UK? US, UK. US, UK. At some point, Michelle, being, well, this business will make money, you will make money, does it matter? Are you in it? I mean, you're not going to say, no, yes, sir, I'm in it for the money purely, but what role does the money play for you?
0: In terms of peanut generating revenue, it just means that we are able to grow and keep growing. So, of course, it's you know on my roadmap and, of course, it's important. Um, and, of course, it makes this move from being a viable um, kind of social cause business to a business. Um, proper so of course that's something that I want to do eventually but I am in a fortunate position where you know I have investors who are thinking about the long game and we're thinking about growth and building the product and the best product we can build before we even get to that. In terms of money for me um, I suppose the message I always got from my mum from being a little girl was Get an education so you can earn your own money and never be dependent on anyone else. And that's kind of something I've I've always carried with me. And, you know, if everything goes wrong tomorrow, I'll be knocking on Mishcon's door and asking for a job as a lawyer back. I can still do that part. Um and I think that was always really important. I worked from the age of fifteen and I've always worked. I've I've never not worked actually. So
1: just to be clear, you worked at Mishkondura, hence the reference, uh, rather right. than any, any other reason. Um, <laughs> l- let me ask you um, a question. Uh, being a woman in business, being an entrepreneur in business, there's this last six months, 12 months has been unprecedented in, in my life uh, in terms of uh, the whole hashtag me2 movement, in terms of a real celebration globally around International Women's Day. Do you ever see yourself as a symbolic person in that, or is it just Michelle Kennedy doing what Michelle does who happens to be a woman?
0: I hope that I use the small platform I have to be able to talk to women and give one woman the confidence or the courage to do something that she wants to do, whether that is change careers, whether that is start a a company, whether that is ask for a pay rise, whether that is believe that she can have that promotion. Um, I hope that that has um, an impact and I hope that I can do that in some small way. I suppose more kind of broadly than that, I hope that Peanut gives women a platform to have conversations with each other so that women can have that support network and they can have those conversations so that other women will give them that kind of support and affirmation and confirmation that they're doing a good thing or they're they're doing okay or that's a good decision. Um, So I suppose that part's important. You're right, it has been absolutely unprecedented what we've seen and it's amazing and it's incredible. The most important thing to me, however, is that, you know, feminism means equality. It doesn't mean women or men. It means equality. And that means that for gender parity to ever be a reality, we have to celebrate brilliant people, not just brilliant women, not just brilliant men, brilliant people, Um, because that's the only way that, you know, the next generation will kind of move through without any kind of gender bias. Um, And I think that's the part where I'm still trying to learn what my role is in that.
1: Michelle, it's been a real pleasure to see you today, to have you here on the programme. Thank you. Um, just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
0: Ah, my song choice is Aretha Franklin, uh, Do Right Woman, Do Right Man. Very apt uh, for our socio-economic um, climate, I suppose. Um, also something that my dad used to play in the kitchen and sing to when I was younger. And now my husband sings to in a very, very bad very bad soprano. Um So this is for both of them.
1: Excellent, thank you. Here it is just for you. That was Do Right Woman, Do Right Man from Aretha Franklin, the song choice of my business shaper today, Michelle Kennedy. An apprenticeship within the law and within working for another person, for an entrepreneur, great way to become an entrepreneur yourself. The person that said to me, don't ever say I can't do it because if I can't do it, I'm going to show you I can. And a lovely thought about feminism meaning equality, no more, no less. Really simple and right on the money. Brilliant stuff. Do join me, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp here on Jazz FM.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership
2: with Mishkondorea.
0: It's business, but it's personal.